This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman CPA. My name is Art Wiederman. For my first-time listeners to the podcast, uh, I am a dental division director at the incredible CPA firm of Ide Bailey. I work out of Southern California. Our office is in Tustin, and I uh, I work out of my, uh, as I joke all the time, my world broadcast headquarters in my home office in Laguna Beach, California. And uh, folks, you know, there's no way to get around it. It's year end. I mean, everybody's thinking about the holidays and Thanksgiving and uh, all the different, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, all this kind of stuff. But for us in the CPA world, that means year end tax planning. And I want to make a point here. It's really it's something I've done for, you know, I've been in the tax business for 44 years. Um, if you are not uh, having a meeting with your CPA or tax advisor at the end of the year. Now, we are recording this on Monday, November 10th, and it is going to come out, I believe, on the 22nd. So for you, uh, for our regular listeners, you'll be able to get plenty of time to take the tips that uh, we're going to give you today and uh, implement them. But if you are not meeting, with your CPA or your CPA hasn't called you to say, hey, we need to talk about where you're at and how we can save you some money. Because remember, folks, my job is to jack the federal deficit up as high as I possibly can, as often as I possibly can. Please give me a call. My number is 657-279-3243. My email address is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at Ide Bailey, and that's spelled E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And I could not have a better partner in crime for this podcast today than my dear friend, Mel Schwarz. Uh, Mel is uh, has been on the podcast uh, many times. Uh, Mel is the Director of Legislative Implementation. He got a new title. We're going to find out about that when I bring him on here in a couple minutes. And Mel, uh, Mel spends most of his time at his home in the state of Maine, but he spends a lot of time on the Beltway talking to people in, uh, in the government. So he's got as big of an insight into what's going on as anybody I know. So we'll get to Mel in a moment and give you the most up-to-date tax planning information that we possibly can. I do want to, again, as I do in every podcast, thank my wonderful, wonderful partners, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, Lorraine Kent and Shane Moline and uh, all those folks at Decisions in Dentistry do a wonderful job uh, on the clinical side of dentistry. And I have brought them uh, along with their amazing help into the business side with this podcast and their um, front office magazine and the articles we've written. And we've got a lot of exciting things coming up for you in 2024. Uh, please go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, they have 140 continuing education courses at a very, very reasonable price. Uh, we got a lot of great podcasts coming up for you here in 2020, at the end of 2023 and into 2024. Um, as soon as I finish recording with Mel, I'm going to get on the uh, get on the computer with my good friend Amy Wood, who's going to talk to you about HIPAA and HIPAA and HIPAA. HIPAA. <laughs> that's a that's my old New York accent coming back. HIPAA. 
uh, HIPAA uh, issues, which uh, are becoming bigger and bigger in this life, and cybersecurity. Uh, and we've got a lot of great podcasts, and I am very excited that December 3rd is my fifth year anniversary, my fifth year anniversary of doing this podcast. I can't believe I went back and looked at it was December 3rd of 2018 that we started this journey. And I want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank the thousands and thousands of people who listen to this podcast every month, who download it, who are loyal uh, followers of what I'm doing, the kind emails, uh, the kind comments I've gotten at my lectures and at dental society meetings that I attend. Um, again, this is my legacy, folks, and this is what I want to do uh, to help the folks that uh, I have served for close to 40 years. So um, the first podcast of 2024 will be me talking to you kind of about whatever comes to mind and what I think is going to make you wildly successful. I am a an optimist. I believe that uh, uh, despite the fact that we have Lots of stuff going on in this world right now, which we're not going to get into today. Uh, I still think that dentistry is in a really, really good place uh, going into 2024. Uh, the ADA statistics tell me that uh, dentists, um, you know, their busyness is is busier than we've seen it in a long, long time. The, uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is well into our rear view mirror. And uh, for those of you who put the time and effort into managing your practice and working on your numbers, I, I think the sky is the limit. People are spending money more than they've ever spent money. Um, you know, credit card balances are going up. That's how we know that over a trillion dollars of credit card debt. People are spending money these days on everything, including dentistry. So anyway, we'll be uh, that'll be my first podcast of 2024. So again, Doctors, if you are looking for some urine tax planning, we have availability at all of our offices in iBailey. Um, our partners, uh, our dental partners, uh, Scott Haberman, Don Watson, Pam Chamberlain, myself, I'm a director, not a partner, but uh, anyway, um, uh, we are available to help you in the month of December. Again, 657-279-3243. And my email address is awederman at iBailey. Com. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Now I'd like to get to my guest. Uh, Mel Schwarz has been, as I mentioned earlier on this podcast, three or four times, uh, Mel just gets it. I mean, he is right on top of everything. I mean, when I joined I Bailey, uh, three years ago, I mean, in my wildest dreams to have someone, uh, like Mel who has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in Washington, DC, uh, was just a, a, a dream. And, uh, he has delivered on the podcast and with all the information, that he gives. We're going to give you some information about keeping up with tax changes. So, uh, Mel Schwarz, uh, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Well, thank you, Art. It's a uh, delight to be here with you again. Okay, so they changed your title. You're now the Director of Legislative Implementation. First of all, is it required that you have at least four or five syllables in every word of your title? How does that work? It is. The longer the title, uh, then uh, generally the uh, the better my uh, my prestige, I think, is. Uh, but it's a uh, – we really found, I think, over the last couple of years that uh, as the ability of Congress to actually enact tax legislation <laughs> has slowed down, we have uh, – the practice has moved more in the direction of, okay, what have they passed? What is in the code? What can we do with the code, particularly some of the recent changes? And I, we'll get into uh, some of those details a little later, I think, in our, our program today. Uh, but there are changes that have been made over the last couple of years uh, that uh, really behoove, I think, any industry, and this industry included, to take a hard look and say, how am I going to reduce my tax burden, or as you put it, Art, how, how am I going to increase the federal deficit all by myself? Uh, and uh, I look exactly. forward to, to talking about that with you today. 
Well, and I want to tee up the conversation before we get into it to remind you, doctors, that the law is the law. When we talk about tax law, I, I always talk about white, black, and gray, okay? White is 100% perfectly legal. Your um, uh, charitable donations are deductible. That's easy. Uh, black, we never do. That is totally illegal and could land you uh, with some striped clothing uh, in an institution that you don't want to be in. And gray, we talk about. But the fact of the matter is, folks, is that using the tax code legally is 100% what you should be doing. You do not have to pay more than one dime more than the legal amount of tax that the law requires you to pay. And that's why we all have jobs to help you to do that. So with that said, my friend, uh, Mr. In Charge of Implementation, so I, I want to tee this up by starting to say, remember, we're recording this on the 10th of November. I wish we could do these live. We just can't. Um, Friday, November 14th is the next deadline for the a potential government shutdown. This podcast will record, will come out on the internet uh, if we can make uh, all of the podcast gods work, which I think we can on the 22nd so that you have time to implement what we're going to tell you. So, unfortunately, we can't tell you if the government's going to shut down today. Um, so, Mel, is the government going to shut down on Friday? So, what's uh, wh where do we stand with all this? Well, we don't know. And <laughs> Oh, that's a uh, lot of help. That is, that's, <laughs> although there do seem to be signs pointing to the idea that they will not be shutting down on Friday the 17th. Uh, there's no question the favorite sport in the United States Congress is kicking the can down the road. Uh, there is some debate as to how they're going to kick the can down the road. Uh, but the uh, the proposal that's currently on the table, uh, which would essentially extend the current system, whatever the current spending system is, on some provisions until January the 19th of next year, other provisions would be extended to February second. You will see in you will see you will have seen in the paper. You will have seen on TV lots and lots of attacks. Oh, this is a Rube Goldberg system. Uh, why in the world would you do something this complicated? Well, in fact, uh, it scratches a lot of itches, and it does allow it. It keeps a lot of the hard questions. Are we going to fund Ukraine? Are we going to send additional monies to Israel? Are we going to do something about the border? It pushes those off. We're not going to be talking. We don't think we're going to be talking about those uh, before we uh, uh, before we get to November 17th. So my expectation is we will the government will still be functioning, fully functioning uh, when you hear this podcast now. I guess there also is a question, what happens if they don't succeed? That's a great question. Let's, what happens? Well, I think anyone who is declared to, any government employee who is declared to be essential continues to go to work. They don't get a check until after the issue is resolved. But they are, there's a separate provision in the law that will make them whole. So, Unless you're talking about something that you know perhaps needs a uh, FDA approval or you're involved in in something of that nature, I don't think we're going to see much effect on most of us until you know if, if it goes on for a month. Yes, we will begin to see the TSA guys at the airport uh, probably are not pleased that they're not getting their check. Uh, and uh, maybe more of them <laughs> find themselves with a, a little bit of flu, but it's not really something that should seriously affect how any of us go about our business. Uh, and I think, in, in particularly in the in the medical area, uh, it's not something that we're going to see that that many changes. Well, on the TSA side, uh, you know, I, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> About a month or two ago, I was going through the airport and the gentleman from TSA, as I'm putting my stuff in the bin and I'm starting to take my shoes off, he says, 
Uh, you know, sir, that if you're over the age of 75, you don't have to take your shoes off. <laughs> now, uh, I didn't think taking a swing at a TSA official, considering that the fact that the guy was much bigger than I was, was a good idea, but I was not happy at that. So, no. but anyway, I, I think that's a good point because the, the holiday travel season starting and it, you know, the, the, the government, the Congress is coming up for re-election. They do not want to piss the people off more than they're already pissed off. And we're not going to talk about politics, but the fact is if they shut the government down, it's going to affect air travel. There's no doubt it's going to affect air travel right in the in the holiday travel season. So uh, there's a lot of reasons for them to do that. So let's be optimistic, Mel. You think they're going to get this done? Uh, I heard this morning that there's uh, uh, three of the Republican congressmen have said no, and maybe they got to the Democrats. I mean, again, everybody knows that shutting the government down is bad for everybody, right? Right. And okay. Yes. So, let's move on to yeah. Let's uh, move on. Good idea. We, let's we, move on. We, we so, could, and I think that there is leaving the leaving the government shut down, leaving the immediate politics in Washington. Yeah. Uh, there are some things that are moving that I think we do. We now know will take place. We now know are in the code, and are things that I think lead to particular particularly attention this year, maybe even a little bit more than traditionally, uh, as far as planning goes. Okay. You know, the, the number one planning idea I think that people typically think of is, okay, how do I delay recognizing taxable income? How do I accelerate recognizing my taxable expenses? Right. Now, that perhaps has not been as essential the last couple of years. We have not seen uh, that much change with regard to how the tax brackets are set. And, you know, frankly, if you can uh, interest rates at 2%, uh, the time value of money, which is a lot of what this annual system, this annual uh, delay of income acceleration of expenses uh, plays off. That's not going to be the case this year. Uh, the IRS came out substantially, uh, came out last Friday, based on on when we're speaking here, with what the new income tax tables are going to look like, and the uh, uh, the rate table, uh, particularly the point at which a taxpayer would kick into the maximum rate of 37% has gone up a full 5%. And that is, it used to be, uh, well, we are now, we've now gone from somewhere around, I believe it's around $690,000 for married yes. filing joint is the trigger for the top rate. That's going to step up to 731000 for 2024. Uh, that is a, uh, so we're going to have some additional space that we can fit this income that we might defer in 2023 into 2024 without necessarily running the risk of a higher tax rate. You add to that the fact that we're no longer in a world where the interest rates are 2%. I mean, we're seeing eight, 9% interest rates. Uh, and certainly a lot more than that in the five credit card applications that I see in my mailbox every day. <laughs> the uh, uh, So the time value of money is beginning to make sense. So even if you have not focused on that kind of deferral of income, acceleration of expenses in past years, because it really didn't seem to be worth the effort, We've now got changes. We've got interest rate changes. We've got tax bracket changes. It's very much going to be worth taking a hard look at what you can do with that very traditional tax planning technique. And it's a guess. No, and and you no, know, you're absolutely right, Mel. And I'm looking at the tax brackets right now. And for dentists, and again, you know, many of you fall into taxable income of two to four hundred thousand dollars a year. Some of you are higher, some of you are lower, but that's kind of what we see for the dental profession. That is a twenty-four percent marginal rate. That's pretty darn good. 
Uh, so remember that doctors, for every additional dollar that you add to your income, if you're in a 24% bracket, you pay 24%. If you get above $383,900, you're now in 32. So that's a big difference, 8%. And what you should be doing, right, Mel, is to looking at, you know, doing tax projections with your CPA and saying, okay, I'm right on the borderline. Um, you know, if, if, if I am in the 32% bracket and I can get down to the 24, maybe I do buy that piece of equipment, place it in service before the end of the year or, or, you know, now remember doctors that deferring income in a dental practice. Okay. I'm going to go out and just say this and be very blunt. You cannot take the last two weeks of receipts in your dental practice and put them in a drawer. You can't do that. Right, Mel? That's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's called, there's a rule called constructive receipt in this world that, you know, if you got the money and you could have gone to the bank with it, you got to go to the bank with it. So we don't ever, 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 ever recommend that you do that. However, you can defer your billing in your practice. That is perfectly legal. Um, and you can accelerate paying your expenses in your practice if it makes sense. Now, Mel, another thing is if, if we got a, a doctor that's maybe selling their dental practice and it's going to close in 2023, I always recommend, hey, maybe put that off to 2024, the sale, because if you sell in 2023, you're not only going to have the whole income from the whole year of 23 from your dental practice, you're going to have the sale too. So this is the type of planning that we talk about, right? Oh, yes. And keep in mind, we talked about, uh, we mentioned specific numbers with respect to the top bracket, but this 5% increase in where the brackets lie, that's going to apply to move up the bracket point all the way through the system. So whether you're at the top or not, whether you're in the middle, you're or also keep in mind, if you don't happen to have a spouse to file a joint return with, uh, that number is a lot smaller. (laughs) Yeah. So it's there. You can do you can do a little back of the envelope on your own, but there are techniques that are fully acceptable, that are fully understand and are built into the law. And this is a good plot. This is a good spot where your tax advisor should be helping you identify the benefit that you might be able to generate and how to generate that benefit. Here's one I want to talk to you about, which is really, really cool, is this child credit. I know that there are some rumored changes on the horizon, but here's the deal. The AGI limit is $400,000. And if I can get under that limit, it's $2,000 per kid, right? Correct. I mean, so, so we, we have, I have one client, um, who has, uh, eight or nine or children under the age of 17. And we talked about, you know, if you buy a big piece of equipment, get it placed in service before the end of the year, and you bring your AGI down, we could get you eligible for up to another for him because of the phase outs. And it was like $14,000. And, and, and Mel, explain the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit to our audience. May, many of them may not understand that. A tax credit is different than a deduction, right? A tax, yeah, a tax credit means you reduce the amount of money you owe the federal government by that credit. So it's a 100% reduction in the amount of cash, the amount of cash that's going to the, to the feds. Uh, a deduction reduces your taxable income. And then you have to then multiply that by whatever your marginal tax bracket is. So you used an example of a uh, of a dentist that was in a 26% tax bracket. Essentially, a credit is worth four times as much yep. Yep. at 100% as a deduction, which translate as a 26% reduction in tax. It's 100% reduction in taxable income, but you then have to multiply that by whatever your top, your max, your marginal tax bracket is. So what you're saying is a credit is much better than a deduction, which we always, 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 always much better. So, Uh, So what's on the table with this child tax credit? Child tax credit is part of the, oh, there, the, the big debate 
with regard to taxes, if we're going to have tax legislation this year, it's going to be a trade-off between some expansion of the child tax credit, probably increasing the $2,000, uh, well, focused on increasing the, the $2,000. Remember, that it was, that was at $3,600 per child right. during the COVID period. Yep. Well, a lot of the effort is trying to restore that. There does not seem to be a much likelihood that it will go all the way back to 3600 but we could easily see that 2000 increased to 2500 maybe even 3000 if congress puts together a tax bill by the end of the year now uh yes there is some question. <laughs> <luck> yeah. <laughs> now there are lots of because this is the, and there's a trade-off here. I mean, that is one group is very, very much looking to expand the tax credit, if not getting it back to where we were during COVID, at least increasing the numbers. Uh the four hundred thousand dollar cutoff, because if you if you go over four hundred thousand dollars of adjusted gross income, you know. Your ability to claim the these credits goes away. You're out. You're out. Uh, you will hear some noise from members on the left that would say, "Well, okay, well, we can bring that four hundred thousand dollars down." Very, very little risk, I think, of that happening. If we're going to get a bigger tax credit, a bigger child tax credit, we're going to see it available for anyone who is under that $400,000 current limitation, which, as you said, Art, uh, puts a lot of additional emphasis on whatever techniques we can use to stay under that $400,000 amount. So, for example, let's hit, uh, I mean, uh, let's hit bonus depreciation. I mean, they put bonus depreciation into the law, back into the law. It's been in and out of the law forever, but uh, bonus depreciation is going to start to phase out, but we don't really lose the ability to write off equipment because we got 179. So talk about that a little bit. Bonus is, you know, bonus, you, which traditionally was 100%. You bought it, you deducted it. For 2022, which is the return that has gone in, uh, we went down. Oh, excuse me. No, 2020, uh, 2023. I, 2023. I apologize. That's okay. Uh, we're only, the 100% is down to 80%. So, uh, and that's scheduled to go down to 60% in 2024 and on down until it finally goes to zero. One, it does not affect 179. Uh, right. A lot of people, I think, have sort of, as long as it was 100% bonus, yeah, I don't really care whether I take 179 or whether I take bonus. There are a few details, yeah. particularly related to what might happen if you disposed of the of the property within, let's say, a five-year period. Yes. But those were sort of technicalities. And most people, I think, kind of didn't really focus so much. Now that we're down to 80%, there's going to be an attempt as part of any tax legislation. And, and this is sort of the quid pro quo for one side getting the child credit increased the other side is going to say, well, we want to be able to keep 100% bonus at least for 2023 and possibly for 2024. Uh, we don't know whether that's going to happen until we get to the end. We don't know what details may happen with that. 179 is there, and 179 gives you a full deduction. The problem, of course, with and, – and, and 179 does not – does not 179 only covers what they call qualified property, right? Personality, the machinery, the computer programs. It does not cover things that might be associated with, for instance, the building envelope itself. And I know many, many dentists are renting space, they're renting a space in a building. They don't, <laughs> it's not their concern. However, Many dentists, I think, also do own the building in Absolutely. which they operate. Uh, and I mean, my dentist <laughs> owns the building in which she operates and, in fact, lives upstairs. 
uh, and takes the best parking space for herself, which is as she should. As she should. <laughs> she's the dentist. She's in charge. She's in charge. She's the one. And I'm not. Once once she's in my mouth, I'm not arguing. I mean, she can have whatever she wants. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I park. I can park on the street. It's okay. The uh, <laughs> um, here's where I think it's worthwhile looking at a looking at planning. Particularly if you're talking about either a new building or you're talking about doing some retrofitting, because there is now a combination of things that can be put together that really can significantly maximize the amount of tax savings that go into the ownership, the building, the construction, or the uh, uh, the, the rehabilitation of a uh, of a dental building, and this ties together not only where are we going to be with one seventy nine, where are we going to be with bonus, because we can't say that, but some of the provisions that were enacted in twenty twenty two in order to encourage green, encourage energy savings, there is an incredible opportunity to sort of stack one planning idea on top of another planning idea. We're going to use a lot of the same data to uh, to use each one of these steps. If you are changing, well, let's say, let's say you're building a new building or you're retrofitting and you use a alternative energy source. You put on some solar panels. You use a geothermal uh, air conditioning system. That's right. And You're that, required to use multiple syllables. I forgot with your title and everything. Go ahead. Geothermal. Okay. Geothermal. In other words, this is the, the, the new, you are using the ground to assist in the cooling or heating of your building. And it is... I can't, depending upon some standards that you meet, we can take a credit. Remember, credit is 100%. Yep. 100% of my cost goes, essentially, the feds pay 100% of the tax. Yep. We like that. <laughs> 100% of my cost of putting this in. I can get, actually, here it's going to be 50%, because, but I can... I can get the I can get the feds to go 50-50 with me if I put up some solar panels, if I put in geothermal, uh fuel cells uh are actually being it used to be we thought of fuel cells as something that large businesses, large uh buildings used. Prices are way down. The ability to put this in a building that would 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 house a typical dental practice. These things are now on the market. If you put one in and you can build a new building, it's easy to go in. If you're retrofitting, it's, uh, you know, you may need to work on the air conditioner anyway. Who knows? Right. Uh, and then there's also what they call microgrid controllers, which is how do I make all this new stuff that I'm going to get the government to pay half of <laughs> work? How do I make it work? Well, yeah. you're going to need a machine for that, and the government will pay half of the cost of that machine as well. Now, you need to make sure you dot some I's and cross some T's to make this work. It needs to be, in order to get the the guy who built the machine, needs to be able to certify to you that he used, he paid his labor enough, that the materials were primarily U.S. source cons source materials. We can actually go above 50% depending on what the geography is. Uh, and certainly for those of you who may be located somewhere other than a, how do the English put it, favored suburb. Conversation as to what a favored suburb is, is right, not. Yeah, if you're in a high if you're if you're in a high dollar suburb, I, I can't do better than fifty percent. Uh, if you're downtown, 
if you are perhaps uh, in a uh, an area where there is some element of poverty, uh, we can maybe even kick this thing up. All of these are details that you need to sit down, you need to look through. Okay, that takes some of the cost of our new building. That takes some of the cost of our retrofit. We're going to get the government to pay, let's say, half of it. We've got 50% of the cost left. Second step is, wait a minute. How energy efficient is this building? And if I meet and exceed some standards, which at least for the moment are not particularly difficult to meet, I can take of the rest of my building, which normally I'd have to depreciate over 39 years, I can take out of that pot $5 per square foot. That's the 179. That's the 179 D deduction. And, yeah. Okay. And then let's load on top of that. Oh, wait a minute. Since we're going to have to go through, and we're going to actually, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort to identify what each one of the parts are. A very traditional tax savings approach is what they call cost segregation. I yep. look at each item of the building and I say, is this really building? Is this really the shell of the building? Or is this something I can reclassify as equipment? I can reclassify it as equipment. I've now got a 179 deduction. Or worse comes to worse, I've got a bonus depreciation deduction of 80%. So I have minimized the amount that I have to depreciate over a long period of time. I've maximized, certainly I've maximized my credit. I've maximized the amount that I can deduct currently uh, and only left this smaller piece. And the beauty, I think, of this is all of the work that it takes to determine whether I'm going to meet each of these three elements, a lot of it is all sort of the same work. And so it becomes a stacking opportunity. I take it, I look at each one of these three elements. I'm going to have to do the same sort of study. And a number of firms will do this. I, Bailey, certainly, we have built out a fairly significant group that is specifically designed to integrate their study, minimize the cost to you of doing the study because we're going to do it all at the same time with the goal so the tax of credits, maximizing the, this tax benefit. So the tax credit that we're talking about under 179 integrated with the uh, alternative energy devices, integrated with the cost segregation and QIP, uh, qualified um, uh, qualified property, and, and, and all these things are integrated. Yeah, so absolutely, folks. And I have personally worked with our cost seg group. Um, you all know after five years of listening to me, I am not a self-promoter, but this group has saved our clients a boatload of money on, in doing this work. I mean, it's it's just wonderful. So uh, if you are interested in looking at this, if you are in the process of building a building, uh, it maybe you finish the building in 23, maybe it's going to finish in 24, 25. Give me a call again, 657-279-3243, and I will be happy to connect you to our cost segregation group who can absolutely do numbers. One more thing on cost seg, Mel, is this is not just, you know, everybody who's listening to this is saying, oh, wait a minute, I built my building 10 years ago. I can't qualify. Wrong. 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 <laughs> we get this thing um, called a 481A adjust. See, I'm required by law to code, quote, code, code sections so that even though the uh, TSA thinks I'm over 75, I still seem like I know what I'm talking about. But you can basically, Mel, right, go back. If I built a building 510, was it back to 1989, I think it is? You wouldn't want to go back that far because you're already close to the 39 years. But you can go back and make a retroactive, get a retroactive deduction. How does that work? Well, again, it is particularly in the case of the the ones that one of the big changes 
from two years ago was we took 179. 179D used to be you had to build the building. But now, 170, if you have rehabilitated the building, if you have made changes, you put on the solar panels, you did the geothermal uh, air conditioning system, all of that, I mean, that's, that's a fresh start. Uh, and so that is a... Uh, uh, that is a very specific and new benefit. So if you're doing work at all, it is something that is, is worthwhile. Now, the 481 adjustment uh, is there. It's been there. What you're doing is you're essentially going back and recalculating your depreciation using the cost segregation to take things out of the 39-year bucket and put it into a bonus, five-year, seven-year depreciation bucket. Uh, again, and again, this is something that let's say we are putting on the solar panels. We are doing something new. Integrated in that, we're going to have to look at the whole building. And so certainly part of that is, ah, maybe we can use this 481A adjustment that, uh, that Art mentions and take another sort of a fourth bite out of the apple here. Oh, and it's, uh, it's amazing what production. you can do. Oh, absolutely. It really is. It so, really is. so purchasing equipment, let's just get into that real quick, yep. Mel, is uh, doctors, I want to be really clear, and I've said this many times on this podcast. If someone says to you, all you have to do is make a $100 deposit on your equipment, but it doesn't have to be installed until the beginning of next year, do not listen to them. <laughs> that is wrong. <laughs> that equipment has to be placed in service. It has to be actually in your office. Doctors, if, and that's another thing, Mel, we can talk about in tax planning is if you're building out a new office and it's going to get done right by, you know, in December, I mean, we can stage this. We can get, you know, depending on your tax situation, you know, you're building out a six operatory office. Maybe we put three operatories of equipment in service on December 27th. And we put the other three in service on January 4th, right? There's nothing wrong with doing that or am I missing something? Absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. But look very carefully. The The rule is it's got to be ready and available yes. for use. That's the phrase that the tax guys yeah. use. Uh, that doesn't mean you've turned it on. No, but it needs you should to take, be, pictures. take pictures. Take pictures. I mean, pictures. And show uh, that it's you you and show that it's ready to be show that it's ready to be turned on. And that's the term, one yeah, the term that's that one in, the, in the in the regs are a state of readiness, if I yes. remember correctly. So yeah, I mean it's and, and, and remember folks, believe it or not, the IRS has some very, very smart auditors and specialty groups. Um, so if you just think you're gonna cut corners and oh, they'll never catch it. They might, they probably will. So that's why we want to make sure that all of our I's are dotted and T's are crossed, but we're talking lots of money. So you could be looking at digital x-ray. You could be looking at CBCT. You could be looking at a laser. Um, uh, you could be looking at digital digital scanning, which a you know, digital scanner is $30,000, which, I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but you know, if you're in a 37% bracket federal, maybe you're in a high income state like I live in, which is California, which could be as high as 13.3%. You know, you buy a digital scanner, place it in service for 30 grand, the government's going to give you a check for 15. I mean, it's 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 money in your pocket that you want to look at. But that's why it's important to, to look at what does 23 look like? What does 20, what does 24 look like? Um, I want to touch, we're not going to get into this subject at all. All I'm going to say to you, doctors, is if you have a retirement plan, maximize your contribution. If you don't have a retirement plan and you want to put one in, give me a call and I can help you do that. We have a whole group at iBelly that does that. There's pension administrators. But again, that's a tax deduction, not a tax credit. Although there is a tax credit for in, in under Secure 2.0 in setting up a pension plan. They've increased that, I think. Yes, they have increased that. And particularly if you're talking about... And this would be particularly, I think, uh, important for a solo practitioner, perhaps somebody who's starting out on their own. There are some very specific incentives to set up plans, to set up a plan at all. 
but also to set up the plan in a certain way. There are a few requirements that are going to be uh, there, but it is a if you if you don't have if you don't have a plan, get one. You will uh, you will love not paying. You you will love putting money in your plan for your retirement as well as some for your employees, uh, uh, rather than basis. sending it to the feds. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no doubt about that whatsoever. So uh, we've talked about tax rates. We've talked about deferring income, accelerating deductions. Doctor, you may want to, uh, you know, you may want to push your deductions into next year. Maybe you started a practice in 2023 in January, February, March, and it took a while and the marketing has kicked in and now you're doing 40, 50, 60,000 a month. And we've seen that. And now 2024 is looking like a killer year. And you bought all this equipment in 2023. Do we want to write it all off at a 10 or 12% rate? Maybe not. Again, we can't get into all the what ifs on this podcast. It's a matter of sitting down. Also, Mel, doesn't, I mean, again, I barely, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff in 2024. Talk about it, our website is www.idbailey.com, if I got that right. And we have a, we have a brand new website, if I remember correctly. Yes. And um, so so what what kind of stuff can they find on there and what are you going to be doing to keep all of our clients up to date on all this stuff we're talking about? They have uh, there are generally well, uh, there are short pieces that you can look at if you really want to get into some of the details. We have a legislative update. Uh, one-hour webcast that we do four times a year. Our next one coming up is on December the 19th. Uh, I think we'll have by then a pretty good idea as to whether we're going to see tax legislation or not. Uh, and a couple of things that you know may be there, whether it be uh, issues with regard to the, the child credit, whether it be issues with regard to are we going to maybe have a 100% bonus instead of 80% bonus. One of the items that I think you particularly want to pay attention to is uh, there is a movement to, to add whatever legislation comes to add some relief from the $10,000 limitation on yes. itemized deduction of state and local taxes. Uh, there are a... Because... There are a lot of good reasons why that may not change. There are good reasons why, very good reasons why it may change. We may not be looking at a substantial change. There were some, particularly California and New York members of Congress, who are looking to change the 10,000 to 100,000. That appears to be off the table. Uh, the maximum I have heard is an increase from 10 to 40. Uh, I think that's probably unlikely. Uh, 10 to 20 uh, may be very much on the table, particularly if you are uh, married filing joint, because the argument's going to be this is a marriage penalty uh, and married filing joint should get double the 10,000. Yes, we uh, should. That is something we hopefully will know by the time we speak on December 19th. Certainly, there will be lots of coverage in the paper. And this may add an additional kicker as to your determination of how you want to position the income that you recognize, uh, whether you income, recognize that income in 2023 or whether you recognize that income in 2024. More importantly, if it if, if there's some flexibility as to whether you pay your taxes, your state taxes, your local taxes before the year end or after the year end, this is something that, that you definitely, definitely want to keep in mind, monitor, uh, and because this is, this is something, this is an easy change, we can wait until December 31 uh, and decide, okay, do I write the check today? Do I write the check in two days. Right. Uh, so and keep an eye on that one. What, one more thing I want to touch on. And again, I need three hours for this podcast, <laughs> as I always do. Um, there is the state tax workaround for pass-through entities like S-corporations. Correct. In California, it's called the AB 150 law. 
we're not going to get deep into that. The bottom line is there is a way doctors, if you're, say, for example, an S corporation and you have a big income, especially if you sell your practice and you have an even bigger, a bigger income to pay a payment to the state of California or one of the many, I think there's 20 or 30 states that do this, pay a payment to the state through your corporation and get a deduction on your S corporation return. So that allows you to work around that $10,000. If your CPA is not talking to you about this workaround, please give me a call because we do this all the time. I want to hit two more things, Mel. Um, research tax credit. I know that we were very optimistic a couple, two, three years ago that dentists might be able to qualify for this, but they've changed some of the rules and now it's kind of dicey. I, I think that that's correct. I mean, that that is... Uh, the IRS is leaning very hard on the issue of the, the quote, process of experimentation. Uh, most dentists don't want to explain that they are experimenting on their patients. <laughs> uh, so no. I see, I, I, I mean, there's, there's some arguments that can be made. They are pretty, uh, they're very aggressive arguments. And uh, I think that they see research credit, they see a dentist, unless they are seeing a patent application associated with the whole process. My guess is you are inviting a, uh, an examination. So if, you, if someone said to you, well, you have a CAD CAM machine, you have a CEREC or a, a machine, and you're making crowns, therefore you're doing research, you know, at First, we thought this might be a really cool thing, but now with the new rules, um, I mean, we, we are just really, unless, as Mel said, unless you are doing real research on a real product in your dental practice, um, you probably want to stay away from that. And then I cannot let you off this uh, podcast without touching on my favorite subject, which is which I've lived for two years, the employee retention ah. tax credit. I mean, we, we have to, I mean, uh, just so you know, doctors, the government has ceased processing these applications. It doesn't mean that if you've submitted it, that you're not going to get it. They have just ceased it because of all of the fraud. Uh, I know, Mel, you talk to people in Washington all the time and you're more on top of this than I am. And I try and stay on top of it. I mean, the IRS is at their wit's end with this credit, aren't they? Oh, it is. I mean, to a certain extent, the employee retention credit, it was implemented sort of as the equivalent of going up in a helicopter and just dumping bags of money out into the... <laughs> uh, however, there are specific rules. There are yes. standards that you had to meet. Now, the IRS... People at the IRS also listen to sports radio, and they are aware of the commercials on sports radio. Oh, yeah. It's not just sports radio; it's every radio and every. That TV. would that well, well you see what I, what I listen to. Well, uh, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so they have that. They are they are. You can file a uh, claim. And it will sit at the IRS while the IRS tries to figure out what to do. The problem is so many of the, you really do have to have met specific standards in order to qualify for the ERC. You need to either have been shut down by some sort of government order, or you need to show that there was a diminution in your receipts. And that is a fairly specific formula. Yep, it's a if problem. you meet either of those tests, then you and you paid your employees despite the fact that they didn't have any work to do and didn't do any work, then you're entitled to an ERC whether you filed now or not. It may take a while for you to get the money because the IRS is sitting on it, but if ultimately you have the proof that you qualified, you get the credit and you get the interest uh, on the fact that it's going to take them take them years. However, if you have not, if there's some question as to, well, you know, I I thought that I could we we weren't working and or we thought I heard the ads and maybe I can slip this in. 
the IRS is going to is after the IRS is ultimately going to process these. The IRS is going to seek to penalize, and there is a special process now to essentially withdraw your ERC claim. And I'd say that you know we still are doing work that involves people who did not claim ERC that potentially could have claimed ERC. And we'll be filing amended returns. But there also a lot of work, I think, is being done with regard to, okay, you know, I signed up with the guy that it was advertising on the radio. He filed something for me. Uh, I'm not quite sure how he got to the answer he got to. It behooves you to have someone who really is focused not just on filing the claim, but on making sure the evidence is there to support the claim. Because if you don't have that evidence, think hard about taking the IRS up on the withdrawal offer, because there's no point in subjecting yourself to uh, to a, a penalty uh, that uh, on a amount that you're not going to see in any case. No, and, and and the thing is, is that, and this is a question for you, Mel. I know the IRS has dedicated a lot of resources to this. I mean, they are going to audit all kinds of businesses on this. This is not. This is a very passionate project of the IRS. They are. They're mad about all this stuff, right? Oh yes. I mean, this is. This is. I think this is. They feel this is one of the most blatant. Uh, manipulations, misuse of the tax code that they have dealt with in a long, long time. Uh, and uh, yeah, and plus it's uh, it's it's fairly easy. It's fairly, it, this is not a hard exam. No, no, it's not. A <laughs> couple of things I want to point out. Number one, okay. Um, in, I got on the, I got on a call because after I started getting all these clients saying, I'm getting these calls and these companies and these companies are telling me, and you don't know what you're doing. I finally got on the phone with our head ERC guy here at I Bailey. And he just made it so simple for me. He says, Art, it had to be a mandatory government order. Folks, let me be very clear. The federal government never said, shut your dental practice down. Most state governments did not say shut them down. They recommended the ADA is not a mandate is not a government agency. It doesn't count. They recommended everybody recommended. Now, with that said, I have done over 125 ERTC studies for our dental clients. We've gotten back. I mean, we're close to $10 million in, in, in taxes uh, that have been saved. I have done one, one study that did not involve the 20 or 50% math test. And that had to do with a dent, a specialist in a major metropolitan city, which my unbelievable manager, Henry, found nine different government orders specifically from that major American city. And he did pay his employees during that time. That's the other thing, folks. If you're shut down by a mandatory government order, you probably put your employees on unemployment. So if you didn't pay any wages, there's no credit. So you're playing Russian roulette is the bottom line here. So Mel, as always, you are golden. I mean, I just love talking to you. You have the insight that nobody else has. And uh, so tell me again, the date of that legislative update was, did you say December? It would be December 19th. Uh, and, and you can uh, you can sign up uh, through the Ide Bailey website, www.idebailey.com. Uh, you can, uh, Art, I'm sure, will be happy to forward it. If you Art will be it to more Art, than happy to forward it. I will it. be happy to, to add you to the list. And in fact, uh, the way things work, the way things work at Ide Bailey, it's our first initial and then our last name at idebailey.com. Right. Would be happy to respond. If any of you have questions or things that Art and I discussed today, I would be happy to, to respond to your emails as well. Key is... Schwartz is spelled just like the toy store, S-C-H-W-A-R-Z. There is no T. So M. Schwartz at M. Schwartz, like the toy store, uh, at idbailey.com. Uh, and I'll be happy to uh, to get back to you 
with whatever I can share. Yeah, and and Mel has been an incredible resource to not only me, but our entire firm and all of our clients and all of our dentists over the years. Um, and uh, so December 19th, if you want to sign up for that legislative update, I mean, you're going to get the most updated information as far as, you know, I mean, by like Mel says, by that time, folks, uh, it, it's interesting. November 14th or 17th or whatever the date is, uh, they're either going to shut the government down or they're not. And if they do, we'll all know about it. If they don't, then there's a lot of other tax things that are on the table. Tax legislation doesn't stop because there's other things going on in the world. It's always a fluid fluid thing. So, uh, Mel, I want to thank you so much for the privilege of your time and your knowledge. And I think we gave our listeners a really good year-end package. And again, doctors, if you are not getting tax planning advice, you own a practice, you're not getting advice, you're buying a practice, you're building a building, you're, and there's not only building, but you're expanding a building. You're, 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 you're putting on a, you know, adding five operatories, you're adding a thousand, 1500 square feet. All of this stuff with 179D and 50% credits and cost segregation. I mean, cost segregation is not, when you look at the tax benefits that we get for people and the cost of the tax of, of the study, it's nothing. Honest to God, it's nothing. Um, and, and it's just it's just wonderful. But give me a call, 657-279-3243, A. Wiederman. W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at I'd Bailey, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. And Mel Schwarz is M-S-C-H-W-A-R-Z, like the toy store. <laughs> I don't buy toys anymore unless it's for my um, uh, for my French bulldog, Chewy. Other than that, I don't really do that. So, uh, Mel, hang on before I take uh, while I take the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. You are just so golden when it comes to this stuff. Well, it's been a pleasure, Art. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And doctors, again, if you're not getting some tax planning advice, give me a call, send me an email. We'll get you taken care of. Our partners are available. December does fill up pretty quickly. So if you if you listen to this and you say, gee, I think I need to save some money, give us a call pretty quickly. I uh, want to thank again my wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, uh, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, 140 continuing education courses at a very, very, very reasonable price on clinical. And we are building out the business side of this. I know I've been talking about it for a while, but folks, this does not happen overnight. We're being very, very uh, productive and careful and making sure that we give you great information. But when I'm ready, you're going to hear all about it. Um, And, uh, you know, other than that, I think we've given you enough information. If your head hurts, uh, there is aspirin or Tylenol or Excedrin or whatever your your uh, you know your 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 aspirin or or thing of choice is. Um, feel free to take that. But uh, again, you don't have any obligation to pay one dime more than the minimum required under the law, and the law is there for you to take advantage of. So. Uh, again, excited about 2024. We've got um, uh, consultants coming on to talk about how to have a one percent practice. Um, we've got, uh, uh, you know, I've got a my uh, one of my go-to marketing companies. We're going to talk about what's working in dental marketing these days and social media and, and all this stuff. So we got a lot of great stuff. I'm so excited about 2024. I want everybody on this podcast to have a positive attitude. Please promise me you're going to have a wonderful and safe and sane holiday with your loved ones. Um, It's a a great, great time of year. Uh, Mel and I are big, big sports fans. It's football season. It's just like it doesn't. Mel, what's your team? Are you you a... Red, uh, not red, I'm sorry. The Washington Commanders is that your team or no? The uh, they didn't want to sell me any tickets, so uh, we moved. To, <laughs> Baltimore won. Baltimore was happy to take my money, so I'm a okay. Ravens fan. Well, well. So just so you know, my dear friend, I'll mention him. My dear friend Alan Schiff, who is the president of our Academy of Dental CPAs meeting, and this will come out before. Um, I saw him at our meeting in Kentucky a couple of weeks ago, and he says, "Art, guess what? The and he is a. I mean a." diehard Ravens fan. I mean, it's ridiculous how diehard he is. Uh, the Ravens are coming to Los Angeles the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. And Alan and his boys and friends are flying out and 
We're going. I've never been to SoFi Stadium before. It's a $5 billion stadium. So I will be, uh, and I said to Alan, I said, so can I wear a Chargers jersey? He said, I will never talk to you again if you wear a Chargers. <laughs> and he's, th- this is a guy who just absolutely is the kindest. He would, you know, he's a 2 a.m. friend. He would give the shirt off your back. He says, I am bringing you a big Ravens jersey and you will wear it. I said, okay. <laughs> So anyway, but um, yeah, so you and I have a lot in common as far as the love of football and uh, the Ravens are in it. So anyway, uh, God, I think I'm going to do my next podcast called The Art of Dental Football and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I'll do that for five hours at a time. Anyway, so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for the honor and privilege of your time. And uh, we will see you uh, somewhere down the road at a lecture or a uh uh, on a webinar, I will be out there, uh, keep an eye on uh, what I'm doing. And with that said, that is it for this, uh, episode of the art of dental finance and management with art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the art of dental finance and management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.